everybody. Um, we're here today um, undertaking an Iris conversation with more than welcomes. Ruth Forecast and Sharon Baker have agreed to join me um, as a celebration of Refugee Week and our launch of the Community Sponsorship Evaluation Reports. So it'd be great, um, Ruth, perhaps if you could tell us a little bit about More Than Welcomes, what it is and how it came into being and, and what you do. Well, how it came into being is not really what it's ended up being. We started in 2014 uh, campaigning to get our council to take 12 Syrian families under the UK government Syrian resettlement programme, which we thought would be very easy as it was a government scheme. Um, long story, but we ended up being a campaigning group for two or three years until we finally applied for a family under community sponsorship. I never foresaw um, when we started it that we would actually be so intensely supporting families. But we've actually ended up supporting two community sponsorship families who we, we've resettled in Malvern, and also three other families that were resettled by Worcestershire County Council. When we started doing it, we could never have envisaged that we would be where we are now. It's been pretty tough at times, but I've absolutely no regrets about ever doing it. It's, I'd say it's been a delightful experience in many, many ways. And you're still there six years later. Sharon, you joined a little bit later, didn't you? I did join a little bit later. My background is languages, uh, including teaching English as an additional language. So I just, uh, I just asked to be added to a list in the hope that at some point in time, families would be accepted and that there would be a role for, for, for English teachers. So you came in once there was a need for someone to support with language? Pretty much, yes. And one of the findings in our project is that, you know, the need for this extra provision, not just standard ESOL classes, but also um, you know, one-to-one -one tuition and tailored tuition to particular needs. Is, is, is that how you work? Uh, absolutely. Uh, we were very fortunate in as much as that we'd already been able to uh, assemble a team of uh, English tutors actually before the families arrived. So we were able to even, having identified tutors, which went through quite a, quite a recruitment process, you know, we were looking for people uh, with qualifications and with, with experience with English teaching and then we will put together a few training events for the teachers because obviously this was going to be very significantly different teaching English uh, to not as a foreign language but for everyday living uh, and crucial language right from the first day that the, the families arrived so we um, we were very keen to talk around all the issues that would be linked to having a background as a refugee, recognising the types of trauma that might be there, and also highlighting the areas of your standard English language curriculum where we would need to be extra sensitive. For example, one of the first things you are encouraged to do when you start learning a language is to talk about your family. So we felt it very, very important to highlight those different areas. One of, you know, the way that community sponsorship groups work, of course, is very um, face to face, lots of contact with 
refugee families. I know there's a lot of teaching that happens, language teaching that happens in people's homes. Um, so all of that changed, of course, didn't it, in March this year um, when we ended lockdown. What's it been like for the refugee families that, you know, the five refugee families that you support? What's life been like for them in lockdown? One of the first things that we did do as soon as we went into lockdown was to ensure that all of the families uh, had the technology and the knowledge to work with Zoom. So, and not just from the point of view of language learning, but from the point of view of sort of general contact and to ensure that other volunteers involved with the fam families could continue to support them. And I would say, actually, that the worst, worst case scenario, which I thought would occur, hasn't really occurred. They've all been very, very willing to engage with English lessons on Zoom. They've embraced the technology, which is very challenging when you, you know, you're not computer literate and you're not illiterate in English. They've, they've all been absolutely brilliant. And these five families have got very differing levels of education in the first place. Um, they've been very positive, really. And we've, we've had to do amazingly difficult things through Zoom, you know, arranged transfer of internet, all done from my home or somebody else's home through Zoom. Things that were difficult before are 10 times more difficult, yeah. but managed actually. And I think when you say what's it been like for the families, I can't speak for them, but a Syrian friend of mine who knows the families well said, don't worry too much, Ruth, because what they're going through now, they've been through much, much, much worse. And they just see this as a, a temporary blip. So I find it hard to see it like that. But we're always greeted on Zoom with smiles and how are you? Isn't that right, Sharon? We just... It, it, it absolutely is. And um, although now... Um, since September there is involvement where English language learning is concerned from um, the local colleges. Uh, we have continued with face-to-face, -face not face-to-face -face lessons, but one-to-one -one lessons, small group lessons. Uh, and we've extended that to the children as well, because obviously one of the difficulties for the children mm -hmm. not going to school already is not having contact with other young people, other children, but the learning and schools are giving homework and other work and websites, etc., for children to work for children to work with. But that is such a challenge for the parents to support the children with that. So we now have a team of uh, homework buddies as well, alongside our English right. teachers. Mm -hmm. So, in 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 ironically, um, there is quite a timetable for the individual families because obviously if they've only got one or two computers and a certain level of internet access, then there's quite some timetabling to do really within the families and from, and from the point of view of more than welcomes. One of my major concerns, two of the families have actually, because of health reasons, had to isolate the whole family. So, and that's also meant we've had to do their shopping and go and collect prescriptions. Um, Big challenges when someone's been ill and needed some medical attention because you can't go to the GP, they can't phone the GP because that's difficult language wise. So serving as an intermediary there is 
there's lots of scope for misunderstanding. But I have to say, Jenny, that the receptionists at the surgeries and the receptionists at the schools have been absolutely amazing over and above the call of duty. Mm. And you have a team of people who can help with these things. Um, it's been challenging because a lot of our volunteers, majority of our volunteers are older, I have to say, retired people like myself, several have had to self-isolate. So we just don't have the people who are out and about to do things at the moment. So that's been a, that, that will continue to be a challenge. Within um, our study, we identified that in some places, refugees experience a high degree of um, social isolation already. So they feel quite lonely um, and disconnected. Um, in what way have you been able to support people to feel connected despite um, the fact that they are in fact now locked down? We contact them, somebody, I think they're contacted several times a week. I, I'm fairly confident that there's at least three or four little chats. It might just be a WhatsApp conversation, but they, they have plenty of contact with us. And now that the lockdown's easing, they're actually seeing each other quite a lot. So they're going out for walks together. The families that didn't have to isolate have been very frightened and maybe culturally it's not something they do to go out for walks and they haven't been out much whereas normally they'd go out to the shops and go to go for walks and you know they've got children it's not very good for them at all to be indoors all the time so I've been pleased this last week to hear they've met up and had coffee in each other's gardens that sort of thing the big challenge is to keep up to date with the very confusing government information and feel that we should be relaying it to them but not i'll be quite frank not being very confident in the information instructions we're given in the first place um, but we have found one of our volunteers found um, doctors of the world very good they've got a website and they have the information, it's the UK government information in Arabic, so yeah. that's 30 different languages. And Kurdish. Mm. I mean, just to wrap up, um, obviously, uh, the community sponsorship scheme is going to continue in the UK. And once resettlement starts up again, um, there'll be a relaunch community sponsorship program with um, the mm. refugees arriving now additional to the UK um, refugee target. So we expect to see an expansion of community sponsorship um, in, in the UK. What do you think you've learned in this period, you know, through the lockdown, about supporting refugees that you might take forward? I need to think about that one. I mean, certainly the regular contact, that's felt really important. Um, I've learned that of the resilience of the families we happen to have mm. in Melbourne, definitely. I don't know, do you have any thoughts on this, Sharon? What have we learned? Uh, well, I suppose because of already, I live at quite a distance from Malvern. I'm within Malvern Hills District Council, if you like, but I am just inches from the border. With the, and so um, <clears throat> from my point of view, I think what we have been able to uh, embrace in terms of digital resources um, 
we need to continue from the point of view it offers the opportunity for volunteers to perhaps support uh, youngsters with their homework even when they do go back to school for example in a way that might not have been possible in a face-to-face -face situation so I think we shouldn't forget how useful digital technology has been and how it can continue to be useful uh, and I would say that it is really really important for families to have the means to use these digital resources so it's crucial that families actually have a computer for example mm. well thank you very very much for your time and um you know for all the work that you put into more than welcomes and i wish you the best of luck continuing um with your work to support refugees to resettle in the uk